Good morning, everyone. Okay, friends, uh, I've been with you long enough, and I've given many homilies on the Our Father, and I give you always first the traditional, most classic understanding of the scriptures, but I am comfortable now moving into other In teaching us to address God as Father, Jesus does something uh, very unique. He distinguishes his followers, which we'll know as Christians, uh, from believers in the other religions of his time and even for today. Uh, typically, if you go and look in a nutshell, uh, it's always presented as a servant to a master. And uh, even though in Luke, uh, Luke 17, 7 through 10, Jesus reminds us that when we have um, done all we have been commanded to do, we should acknowledge that we are unprofitable servants of God, uh, who have done uh, no more than what we were obliged to do. I know Jesus said this, but Jesus also went beyond that narrow image throughout uh, his ministry. He presented many other images of God as well. And how one views God necessarily influences how one will interact with God, how one will understand God, uh, one in the interaction through prayer. My friends, in the Old Testament, God chose to reveal himself in many guises, if you will. Uh, among the different images used uh, of God in the Bible, most frequently are found that of shepherd, Genesis 49, 24, Ezekiel 34, 8. God is presented as redeemer, Isaiah 60, line 16. God is presented as holy, Isaiah 5, 24. And one of the most endearing images of God is found also in Isaiah, where God is likened to a mother who will not forget her child, Isaiah 49, 15. And in the New Testament, God is likened to a hen who gathers her chicks under her wings, Luke 13, 34. There are many images of God throughout the Bible, such as creator, Isaiah chapter 45, a judge, Hebrews 12. As a king, you'll find it scattered throughout the Old Testament and New Testament. And God is presented as Father, John 20, 17. And then we hear Jesus speak in that way with us in the gospel today. And although the image of Father can be found uh, in the New Testament, it's also found in the Old Testament, believe it or not. It's ex um, Exodus 4.22, line 23. But there's a difference. There it was a communal sense of Father. When we say the Father of a nation. Um, in sharp contrast, though, Jesus taught us to call God Father. And in the Greek, the word, uh, in the English we translate it as Father. Uh, but uh, in the Greek, it has a different feeling to it. It's more like Papa or Daddy. That's really different. Children, parents, you know, uh, when your children are being very formal with you and uh, maybe you're being really strict, my father says, I can't come with you tonight. Right? Adversely, Dad said, I can do it. You see, the feeling is different. Jesus knows this. So he says, you, when you pray, say, Papa, Daddy. And 
this term of endearment uh, it makes everything different. In doing so, Jesus makes it clear uh, no longer is it just this generality of the father of a nation, but uh, it is unique, it is personal, and an individual. And it suggests that you have that type of relationship with God. I am not going to come uh, to your house and his son will call him dad, but I'm not going to say that. You see, you're, Jesus says, no, this is personal. Make it personal, your prayer. This idea is uniquely Christian. Jesus teaches a particular structure and format of a prayer. What we know is the Lord's Prayer or the Our Father. Uh, this one we have Luke. Uh, the one we use at Mass comes from Matthew. And it helps us to know how to pray. He puts it in a particular order of asking. Then Jesus instructs us on how we expect God the Father to respond to our prayers. He puts forth two parables. The first parable harnesses this notion of hospitality that most folks today don't understand. And slowly over the years, I have been trying to teach you so you will understand. Uh, so now I'm going to make it perfectly clear to you. Most often, and I've preached this way also, this parable is uh, translated as persistence in prayer. And certainly it is because Jesus says, I tell you, if he won't do this because you're friends, he will do it because he's going to bother you. with." And, and he will always use the word persistence. And thus, to persevere in prayer, not in the sense that God requires um, constant reminding of our needs, but in the sense of our own need to understand how we continually and in all circumstances depend on God. However, in Jesus' time, hospitality was a great thing, and there was an expectation to be met by friends. The friend has an obligation to see to his friend's friend and to this visitor who needs uh, food. And this is pr precisely what prompts him to get out of bed and give the neighbor the food or his friend that he is asking in the original text and based on the Greek, the man got up to share the food in order to avoid shame of not responding to the friend, meaning not meeting the obligation of hospitality. Do you understand? Remember, Jesus says first, I tell you if he won't do it because of friendship. But the Greek is the implication, if he won't do it because of the rule of hospitality. The point of the parable changes uh, the understanding of what Jesus is saying, that while human beings may answer requests simply to avoid shame and embarrassment, God always stands ready to love. He does everything out of love. And here's where I've been teaching you that word, said. I haven't been teaching it just so that you have another word you can write on a piece of paper. You will come, you should be able to immediately understand he does it out of love. He does it out of hesed, the covenantal love. The second parable addresses perhaps why we feel God has not given us what we fervently pray for. The answer lies in that parable around the snake and the scorpion. Now, I've remained silent uh, for four years with you, waiting for my, this is my time to tell you. Here we go. 
In the Sea of Galilee, there was an eel-like fish that looked like a snake. A child could point to it, mistaking it. Mistaking the eel, uh, the, a snake, for the eel-like fish that the child would know. You've got to ask yourselves, when Jesus presents these images, didn't you even question, what is it? eel and snake? Didn't you question, what is that? You have to go back and put it into context and find out, okay, what was going on in his land that he would use these images? Well, a child could point to a snake mistaking it for the eel-like fish. Any parent would know enough not to give the child the fish that looked like a snake. You get it? The parent knows the difference. The child does not. The scorpion. Now, I'm not an expert on scorpions. I know they look like spiders, so I stay away from them. Uh, I mean, that's enough for me. But a scorpion, apparently, when it is in its sleeping mode and curled up and partially hidden under the sand, looks like an egg. If a child were to point to a sleeping scorpion, thinking it is an egg, 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 gimme, gimme, a parent would certainly not hand that, would go and get an egg and give it to the child and not the scorpion, which appears to be an egg. Jesus concludes, therefore, if human parents know how to discern what is good for their children, how much more does your heavenly Father, who loves, has said, who loves us as dearly as any Good parent, and certainly more than any wicked, because Jesus actually uses wicked, the word. Thus, Jesus' words, whoever asks, receives, simply was meant to assure us that God hears every prayer. While our petitions may not be answered exactly as we hope for, we can always be assured that God will answer them in a way that is best for each one of us and which benefits our eternal salvation. This is absolutely key when you're praying. It has to be what's best for you and for your eternal salvation. Now, when Father Mark prays that one day he may have an Audi, that is not for my best <laughs> interest, and it certainly is not going to help me with my salvation. God knows that. I don't quite understand why I can't have, but... All of you who are parents know how children are. Why, 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 why? I know what's best for me. You see what I'm getting at? Because people go and quote this scripture, whoever asks receives it, and I don't get what I pray for. But let's understand more deeply the parables that Jesus presents before and after what he's saying. Just as children sometimes ask for inappropriate things at inappropriate times from parents, so we can at times make unsuitable requests of God. Wrong thing, wrong time to ask that. St. Teresa of Avila once said, there are more tears shed over prayers that were answered than prayers that went unanswered. What a wise, wise woman. My friends, in presenting these images of God, uh, and they're all in the scriptures. And that's why I quoted you the scripture where you'll find that 
I do this because um, even as priests, I get worn out and tired of people coming uh, and they present their image and understanding of God as vindictive, mean-spirited, and out to get me. I've just showed you in the scriptures that that is not exactly true. And the truth of the matter is, if God really was out to get you, you would be non-existent right now. <laughs> right? Poof, you're gone. <laughs> but all these images, you see, because then people become afraid of him. And then people will not approach him. They will not engage. They will not enter into their relationship with. I am your pastor, and I love you, and I tell you that God loves you. I serve a God who is filled with joy and peace, and he is not vindictive. And I have the scriptures that will back it up. Yes, I also know about the other images of God as king and a warrior. But Jesus presented these other images of God. And then he said, I want you to call him Papa. Period. <laughs> I want you to have that joy and peace that I experience of God. I can only tell you what I experience of God. That is what the apostles did also. They taught you their experience of Jesus. This is the Jesus that was walking with us. In the same way as pastor, I have, we have many holy men and women of the church, the saints. We have great theologians. But I also must, as priest, tell you how I experience God. And my homilies are constantly colored by that. And for me, God has a great sense of humor. That's why you see so much humor in my homilies, mostly. If you don't think so, go back and look at what Abraham was doing with God. That's funny. <laughs> it's really funny. My friends... God loves you. And Jesus, his only begotten one, says, I want you to call him Father. I want you to treat him as Father. I want you to understand that he loves you as a father loves an only child. With this, you can approach God in all things. And if you are that terrified of him because of something you've done, just come on Thursday night or on Saturday in the afternoon Father, sitting in the confessional, he will use the power of St. Peter and he will relieve you of your sin so that you can get that out of the way and enter into the relation. It's not me. I can't do anything. It's through Christ and through the successor of the apostles. Okay?